the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. I see a lot of crazy things. Working in the financial planning world, working in the financial talking world and financial media, I see a lot of crazy things. I've experienced some of them myself. There's a concept that I want to talk about briefly called the gray divorce. And you know what that is, right? The rate of divorce amongst Americans age 50 and older has more than doubled since 1990. You're darn tootin'. I want to talk to 20-year-olds and millennials. I'm like, hey, try to marry well. Maybe slow the things down. Maybe find out that you've got the right guy, the right gal. Uh, don't rush passion and, you know, running up. A, try to marry well. Because a lot of marriages sometimes, you know, they fall apart because people didn't study it a little bit better. But the rate of Americans after your kids go off to college who are divorcing, doubling since 1990, could be life, longer lifespans. It could be age-defined drugs and procedures. You know, things like Viagra and a little Botox. People are like, hey, I'm young. I want to go live young again. Amongst people over 50, people who are remarried are twice as likely to divorce. Now, Rob Black's personal opinion on this is, I'm not going to tell you, like, Lee Harvey Oswald would never have done this if his mom and dad did a divorce. He would never have killed Kennedy. (sighs) I'm not that guy. But what I can tell you is that divorce oftentimes leads to financial pain, as Mr. T would say. Pain. What's your prediction, T? Pain. So there's, I know, and I got to be careful what I say, I know someone in the financial world who can't afford to retire. Not because he didn't grow his business, not because he wasn't very good at what he did, not because his service wasn't awesome. Too many divorces. Um, the great divorce could be financially devastating. Now, again, keep in mind, if he's, you know, cut his wealth in thirds a couple times, and he's also affected his, his current wife, right? Because... If he passes, you know, there probably won't be enough there for, like, there's some issues there. Most people go out through divorce will want to start with basics. You want to do a cash flow analysis. If you're going through divorce, I highly recommend that you start with an arbitrator. You once loved each other, try not to let the cost get out of control. But you need that cash flow statement, you know, um, and start thinking about it. Because now that you're single, your costs are going to go higher. When you're married, sometimes you can reduce costs. Instead of, you know, $3,000 in rent, and you maybe had a, you know, each of you maybe had a $4,000 mortgage kind of thing. So don't forget, when you divorce, your tax rates are going to change. Your marriage status may have helped you on that. You want to recalculate your retirement savings when you get a divorce in your 50s. Any divorce, really. 
So spend some time with socialsecurity.gov. Spend some time with some of the calculators that are out there. They're flawed. And someone like CFP Chad Burton, you can find it at newfocusfinancial.com, he'd probably beat me up if I said, yeah, you can use a flawed calculator. I just, when you use something, know that there's flaws and don't walk away thinking it's, it's set in stone. Maybe it gives you a good idea. You know, if you had $1 million in your, you know, 500000 each in your 401ks, and you're like, we got a million dollars, that's going to be awesome when we retire. That $1 million, if we keep putting money in, will be $2 million. And suddenly you're back to 500000 which you're trying to get to a million. It's a little different, right? Um, and again, if that's one 401k, or if someone doesn't work, then they split the 401k. I used to be a lot more obnoxious when I was younger. I know you're saying, how is that possible? Uh, one of the chapters in my book was ladies in divorce, skip the house, go for the 401k. And all I was trying to say is that saving money for retirement is a lot more difficult, in my opinion, than saving money for uh, paying you know, a rent check every month. When you're 60 and that you need that money to go from 60 to 85, you, you can't go back and work. You know, you could try to linger in the workforce, be a greeter. I'm good with that. Um, but you get the idea, right? Will one day the greeter at Walmart change into a robot? They have them at some of the Home Depots and Lowe's now, where it asks you what you're looking for, and it walks you to it. So divorce on Social Security also has an impact. And again, I, I try to bring up issues like, you know a retirement home is going to cost you eighty-four dollars to $88,000 a year minimum. And if you're looking for anything nice, um, it ain't cheap. And that, that draws down a million dollars in assets, you know, fast. Probably like five years when you start adding in food and other things. Yep. So Social Security is going to have its own issues. The short version is that as long as you've been married for at least 10 years and don't remarry, you're entitled to half your ex-spouse's Social Security benefits at their re- normal retirement age at 62. So you can collect benefits even if your ex delays filing for benefits. Um, there's a lot going on in getting a great divorce. So, and one of the biggest things that I see is people have a lot less than they thought, and they basically go, "Well, I'm gonna have to continue working." One more thing: if you're gonna get a great divorce, which again, that's not my thing to consult on. Um, if you're gonna get a great divorce, you know, consider changing your paperwork because. <laughs> You may have a situation where the will entitles everything to that person that you're divorcing, and you find a new love of your life who makes you feel young and go dancing together. I haven't danced since I was a young lady. So you probably want the money or assets. You want to think about how sticky it is, especially if you have kids and no kids, and who do you want money to go to, or suddenly you're pulling it from your ex-spouse and put it in your sister's. You got some things to think about with gray divorce, and again, the numbers are rising. So I always found that to be kind of a funny television premise, right? When the, the dad calls the kid in college and says, son, I have to tell you something. Me and your mother are getting a divorce. It's like, Dad, I don't care. I always wanted to know like that. Dad, I don't care. It's always a premise, right? So not only do you have to manage your money differently when you're divorcing, but how about when you're remarrying? And when you remarry, I, I think more so than ever, the first time you marry, you should have a really frank conversation about your finances. But the second time you marry, you really should have even more frank of a conversation. 
you're older, you have more assets, you might have some children. People go in the first marriage as financial equals. We're young, we're out of college, this is our first jobs. Maybe I'll turn in the you know, the the job into something greater, maybe she'll turn the job into something greater. We're equals. <laughs> but odds are a lot more complicated when you're 50 years old, you're on, your first marriage is over, you're finally getting back in the dating scene, you're trying the tender thing, fail, you're trying the bumble thing, fail, you're trying the match thing, fail, and you find someone to fall in love with, you got to be a lot more frank this time. Stakes are higher. So figure out what problems you've made in your past financially, learn to speak about them and move on. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. You can also get some free downloads at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. Catch Rob Black and Rob Black and Your Money live on the Bay Area Airwaves. Weekday mornings from 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. And streaming live on the KDOW radio app or KDOW.biz. Good day and welcome in. Rob Black and Your Money. I'm Rob Black. First Friday of the month. Jobs report. I don't bore you with a lot of economic data. It's just not my thing. It's um, I, I think that's where people kind of lose interest in investing when you get into the a lot of the economic data points. So let's talk about the market, and then we're going to talk about the jobs number, and then we're going to talk about where we're going. The S&P 500 had only one losing streak so far in 2019. One losing week in 2019. Hmm. What's that telling us? What's coming up? Um, and that week, when it was week prior to this week, it was down two tenths of a percent. So we've had a really good start of the year. March forward, March forward, March forward. This week, not so much. Back one point nine five percent, and it's probably going to down the, for the week because that jobs report. We'll get to that in uno momentero. We can include other elements that are out there other than just consolidation. Uh, consolidating big gains, consolidating a big run, taking a breather, whatever you want to call it. There's some other elements. There's an awareness that there's a global slowdown, global slowing down, global slowdown, global growth, global growth is slowing, global, global gobble, gobble, global growth is slowing. And we're hearing that from the European unions and their bankers, and we're hearing it from Asia and China, and we're seeing it in some of the trade numbers. So there's some slowing global growth. There's some consolidation. There's a trade deal with China that might fall short of expectations. Ancient Chinese secret, huh? Whisk. It gets a collar clean. So um, it's kind of, I don't know if I'm using the word correctly, nettlesome. Nettlesome um, that, you know, we're not quite where we want to be. So there's an awareness the S&P 500 has been unable to break higher than its 200-day moving average or unable to really break through it. We're going nowhere fast. We're just going sideways. So same same thing with the NASDAQ, Russell, and Dow Jones transportation average. China filled the bucket of global growth concerns and reporting a much weaker than expected 20% year-to-year decline in February exports. Holy shnikes. 20% down in, in exports? <laughs> it's, can you feel the burn? U.S. Ambassador to China Terry Branstad filled the bucket of trade deal concerns. He told the Wall Street Journal that a date has not yet been set for a summit because neither side feels an agreement is imminent. Now, Monday when we started the week, we said, looks like Mar-a-Lago has been booked for a summit at the end of March. Uh, sometimes the starts and stops are the most painful thing. The distance between what you want and what you get is frustrating. The employment 
situation report got a little bit muddier. It's not crystal clear. The headline that jumps out to everyone is that we only added 20,000 jobs in February, well below expectations. Some people are blaming the snow and the wintry conditions. Average hourly earnings increased four-tenths of a percent, which left the year-over-year wage figure up about 3.4%. That's good news. It underpins future consumer spending. We spend what we make. Key takeaway from the report is that the weak payroll figures will drive thoughts of either there being a shortage of skilled labor that would drive up wages or that there's a sign of a softening job market. There's a little bit of uncertainty here. And it's tea leaves, right? I've never, ever, ever, never had my my future or my fortune told by tea leaves, but someone has. So when you take a look at the numbers, the data is boring. I can tell you the unemployment rate was 3.8% versus 4% in January. That's pretty darn good. That's kind of tricky, though, too, because it sometimes it doesn't show discouraged workers or people who've just left the workforce altogether. Mama, I'm coming home to live with you in the trailer and daddy. Persons unemployed for 27 weeks or more accounted for 20.4% of the unemployed. So that number is increasing slightly from January. Now, can you imagine being unemployed for 27 weeks? Now, I, let's just say there's 54 weeks in a year because that's more convenient than... 52 with the whole 27-week thing and leap year and all that kind of stuff that I can't keep in my head anymore. I could barely roll back the clock on daylight savings time or, oh, it's spring forward this year, this time. But 27 weeks, let's say you work for 30 years. That's 1 60th of your working years to be unemployed for 27 weeks. Now, I know you're saying 1 60th doesn't sound like a lot, but it is because don't forget you have to pay rent. You have to pay mortgages. You have to pay food. You have to save money. You have to live life. Kiss a girl. So that's all out there. Um, and that's kind of the big thing that we're f- focusing on. 3.8% is a good number, but we're not really adding. And the job openings report that we saw earlier this week told us that there's a demand for skilled workers. And there was also another report this week that said some companies are just hiring people. If your temperature is 98.6, like, right, come on in. If you went to college, we'll figure out where to put you later. We, we need skilled people. We need workers. So now's the best time, in theory, according to data, to be looking for a job. Bosses are, are, their backs are against the wall. So if you're underemployed, if you're unemployed, if you don't like your boss, don't tell your, take, take, don't go to boss and say, take this job and shove it. What's it, what's up with those country singers and those big, deep male voices? I ain't working here no more. So China reported much weaker than expected 20% drop in February exports. The non-farm payrolls increased just by 20,000. We kind of wanted a number like 170,000, but we're kind of blaming the weather at this point in time. Are you with me? Are you against me? Because this is a civil war, and you need to choose a side. There will be a winner, and there will be many, many, many losers. Uh, Elizabeth Warren. When she goes after tech companies, sometimes I want to call her a dirty Indian name like Donald Trump does. And then I'm like, don't do it. Don't do it. Internal editor on, internal editor on, firewalls up, firewalls up. But Senator, Senator Elizabeth Warren, a Massachusetts Democrat and 2020 presidential candidate, has proposed a plan to break up some of the country's largest tech companies, Amazon, Google, and Facebook. Great Google and Moogle, right? The plan calls for banning tech giants from both providing a marketplace and selling their product on the same marketplace, an appointment of new regulators that would undo mergers between massive tech companies. Amazon would be broken up from Whole Foods. They'd have to spin that back off. We may. Uh, this means we break Facebook away from Instagram and WhatsApp, Amazon from Whole Foods, Google away from Nest. Um, how desperate is the country to follow that kind of leadership? I don't know, but she's a pretty powerful voice for the left. 
I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. Want the podcast with music? Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. A week to forget. An affair to remember. All three major stock indices fell in response to news. The U.S. economy added just 20,000 jobs. That's a weak number. But again, you don't look at job creation in a one-month period because weather, because of sometimes disasters, because sometimes uh, it's just the data is just too short to really see a trend. But it's not. It's it's alarming. It's alarming. Um, we have people coming to the United States on a regular basis. We create jobs. We make babies. We create jobs. Uh, we'll have more nurses next year than we have this year. That's the kind of thinking that you should need to have if you believe in the U.S. economy. China's Shanghai Composite Index fell hard after the country reported a February plunge in exports. Look out below. Going lower sound effect. Apple's pushing Apple News, but publishers aren't playing along. Seems like the shine has kind of come off the Apple magic, so to speak. Tim Cook's trying to wrangle a bunch of big-name publishers to contribute to a new Apple News subscription service kicking off in March. Apple's proposing to keep 50% of the revenues and keep all the subscriber data. Publishers said no. You know, when you're starting to look at some of these companies, saying no to a company like Apple's tough to do. You've seen roughly 2,000 journalism jobs vanish in the last two weeks. It's apocalyptic out there. I don't know why anyone would want to get into radio or television right now. Having worked in radio or television, it's an industry that seems to be under siege. Now, there's niches. There's conservative talk radio. There's liberal talk radio. Conservative tends to do better in the ratings. Don't know why. There's Chinese language radio. Like, there's really specific bullet shots. But BuzzFeed, AOL, Yahoo, Huffington Post, Gannett, and Vice all fired people in the last two weeks in journalism. That's tough. If you take a look at a lot of websites now, they hire a lot of kids out of college and they say, no, 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 don't, don't, don't come into work. Just submit the article online. Don't come into work. No, 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 no. We don't, you don't, we're not giving you a desk. Your desk is uh, at your house, laptop at Starbucks and submit an article. That's a tough way to make a living. Good job. There's a profitable model for digital news. There is. It just happens not to involve taking piles of money from venture capital firms looking for ridiculous returns, offering disposable clickbait content, relying on digital advertising pennies, handing your most valuable revenue and consumer data over to Apple. People don't want to do it. This is a really... When you have Elizabeth Warren going after tech companies, Facebook, Amazon, Apple, Google, it's telling you something like, whoa, we, in, yesterday, not yesterday, was it yesterday or the day before that Zuckerberg said, um, we're going to set up Facebook so that part of your information is shared with no one. And another, if you go visit another part of Facebook, we'll share that information. And if you go to another, like, what are you doing, Zuckerberg? They're like, you can't do that. So the Washington Post, the Wall Street Journal, the Guardian are all hiring and expanding. Other national titles like Wired Atlantic and Vanity Fair as well. So there's some companies that have kind of stayed in the print market, stayed in their own digital walls market, and they've done okay. But then you start getting some ancillary media companies, and they're really struggling. And Apple's trying to figure it out. Will Apple pull it off? I don't know. I don't. Subscription services are starting to become the bane of my existence. I'm reading more and more research and data that people have unused subscription services. And the best one I can tell you about 
is Costco, 20 years ago, when I'd listened to Costco conference calls, they used to brag about how many members they had that were dead. And you're like, what? Like, yeah, they're they're they still sign up to their bank account and their 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 family's still paying for some reason. Stupid. I have a gym account that I don't use as much as I should. Stupid. I used to have a Spotify account, canceled it because I own Apple shares, so I use Apple Music instead. But I use the family plan and family plan you can share it with four members or five members. So I try to get the most out of that fourteen ninety nine subscription. Food boxes, productivity apps, they're all out there. Um I have iTunes warn me anytime there's a subscription coming up, a renewal. Like, let's say you go on vacation and you're all loving. You're having an affair to remember, not a week to forget. And um, you're like, let's meditate together. That'll be fun. Let's meditate. And you get on your phones and you find a meditation app and you sit there and you both go, oh, oh. She goes back, dumps you for a better looking dude who happens to sell perfumes and luxury items for a living. So she smells good, looks good. You've been in the dumper. And a year later, you're like, what? I have a $99 subscription to a meditation app? I don't even ever remember getting that. Subscriptions are the bane. But they're also kind of the paradigm shift right now on Wall Street. If you have content, you put up a firewall, you've got something people want. So yeah, 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 yeah. So subscriptions are are tough. Apple's trying to figure it out. It's kind of a, a theme. I don't know if it's investable as far as the theme goes, but we're there. The end of the global coffee glut is coming to an end. Every now and then I see and look at research, and I I don't own shares of Starbucks directly. I probably should because I like the idea. I probably own it through S&P 500 funds and other things like that. So passive versus active. Coffee has fallen below a dollar a pound to trade close to its lowest level in more than a decade. But a global glut that pushed prices down for the last two years is coming to an end. So that tells me, not definitively, but it tells me that Starbucks might be looking at higher costs down the road. And that they might have been enjoying lower costs. They had a tailwind. Now it's turning into a headwind. Coffee market's fighting a war on a lot of different fronts. Brazil's bumper crop of 2018. Isn't that fantastic? How Brazil does in Arabica, Arabica, Robusta, Robusta. And how, they, how much they make and don't make, and how much mold is on them, and how much rain they get. A lot of rain, bad for coffee. Coffee beans get moldy and gross, which I probably should start a company called Moldy and Gross Coffee Beans, because it has a nice ring to it. But right now, there's near-term weather that's expected to be an off year, because it's favorable weather for coffee production. It's going to put a damper on prices, say, later this year. So I'm not saying go out and buy all your bags of coffee, because I don't really know enough about coffee to tell you about commodity futures. But the cost of production for farmers stands about $1.20, $1.50. So with prices at sub-$1 levels, it's a deficit on deck for the farmers, and they have to do something about that. Plant less, maybe. Hope the weather changes, maybe. You get the idea. So if you're going to be an investor, and I love it, 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 but you got to grasp, it takes homework, and sometimes you're in over your head. So elsewhere out there, CVS Health stock is at a six-year low. Not a big fan of CVS Health. Now, I know they're doing a lot of business. They do a lot of different things. But anytime I go into a CVS, I honestly feel like I could find the FBI's 10 Most Wanted all in one store. And oddly enough, in the back bathroom, Elvis Presley. Jimmy Hoffa is working as a cashier. For some reason, I don't like going into drugstores. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's the old people. Keep in mind, I'm getting there. I don't know if it's the shelves are like four feet tall because old people can't look above four feet. I don't know. Something's bothering me. So 
stocks at a six year low, and they also do pharmacy benefits. They do a lot of other stuff. So they're not just a retailer, but it drives me crazy when I see like friends have like CVS bags. I'm like, what did you do? You went in there and you you, you spent like nothing's cheap. It feels. And again, I don't necessarily have to live on cheap stuff. Don't get me all wrong. Get me partially wrong, but not all wrong. Anyway, do you know who Kylie Jenner is? Me too. Barely. Um, beautiful young woman, self-made billionaire, took advantage of the Kardashian name on a lot of levels. Nothing wrong with that. Pretty well networked because of her sisters in business. Um, but there's a company called Ulta. And I don't know a lot about makeup. I tend to like stick with the bigger names like L'Oreal as far as investments go. But there's a company called Ulta. And a couple of years ago, I'm driving through the, like, the back roads and I'm like, there's a store in that mall called Ulta. Wonder what that is. So I look it up and ta-da! Guess what it is? It's a cosmetics company. They sell cosmetics. And guess who they've made a partnership with? Kylie Jenner. And you know what she is? She's a social media influencer. I don't know how many people she has on Instagram because I, I really just don't care enough. But she's got enough that she could say, look at this lipstick. Go to Ulta and buy it. And people are like, okay, I'm going to go to this company and buy that lipstick. So Ulta stock has risen along with her. There's a way to invest in Kylie Jenner. And I know you're saying, really? Yeah. So the top line surging about 9% year over year. They got Kylie Cosmetics, and that's driving the curve. Um, I don't know anyone. Most people that I know are more adult-like. But maybe if I were to talk to some 16-year-old girls, they'd be like, yeah, we love Kylie Cosmetics. Um, but you can take a look at Ulta stock. It's a pretty simple idea. As long as she's partnering with them, there's the rub. Stock could go higher. Take her symbol, U-L-T-A. I'm Rob Black. Find me online at robblackshow.com. Don't forget, there's another hour of today's show to listen to. Find it now at kdow.biz or on the KDOW radio app. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. 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 Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. Sears is being sued over its Craftsman brand. Funny thing about Sears is... At a very young age, I realized it wasn't going to be for me. That my dad shopped there, JCPenney's, you know, that kind of thing. Malls were kind of a thing. Department stores were kind of a thing. And then, I'll tell you what, department stores are going to have to die. And I just talked about Ulta, um, Ulta Cosmetics. It's a big department store. Uh, the reason I think most stores are struggling is because retail space costs money. I once went to Europe. I know you're saying, this is going to be good. It's not that good. I remember walking around the streets of some European city. I want to say it was Germany, but that doesn't feel right. It was France. It was in France somewhere. And I remember walking around, and I was like, the grocery stores are small. And then, like, you'd go into, like, a a place that sells video games, and, like, the video games are small. I don't want to make a a widespread argument that, like, retail space costs money, but Retail space costs money. And you look at California and, you know, a landlord can get $1,000 a square foot or what's the going rate per month? 690 695 It's all math. So when I go into a Best Buy, and I'm okay with Best Buy, I get that they kind of serve a, a niche and they've kind of tried to come up with a store inside of a store concept. So when you go in, you can see an Apple store, you can see a Best Buy store kind of thing. Not a Best Buy, uh, Samsung. Uh, Microsoft has its little area. Verizon has its little area. Um, so they lease space to other companies inside their leased space. I, 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 I kind of get it. I kind of get it. 
but it's still kind of an expensive proposition to me. When you see what's about to happen in the Bay Area, the number of millionaires that are going to be made in 2019 because of Uber and Lyft and other tech IPOs that are coming public, real estate prices are going higher. Rents are going to get higher. There's just too much money out there. And I don't want to call it stupid money, but for the sake of it, let's call it stupid money. I'm not a big fan of Tom Hanks. I know you're saying, who hates Tom Hanks? Me. Pick me, pick me, pick me. For some reason, I'm just not a big Tom Hanks fan. So other big stories of note out there today. Um, We're looking at jobs numbers, and we're looking at a a bad week on Wall Street. Now, you look at the calendar. Turn the page. Uh, January, February, March. Where are we at? Mid-March, kind of? We've had one down week of 2% and one down week of two-tenths of 1%. Other than that, the market's been going higher. Question for the devil. Not for the devil. Question from the devil. Would you take that deal? If you could have eight up weeks and two down weeks where the down's not that bad, would you take that deal? I would. So back to Sears and Craftsman real quick. They're getting sued. It doesn't really matter to me. It's kind of a, a sad story. But Sears is back in court less than one month after coming out of bankruptcy. Stanley Black & Decker, which accused of breach of contract and trademark infringement over its new line of professional-grade mechanics tools under the Craftsman Ultimate Collection brand. There is something to be said about intellectual property. But it was a store that was meant to die in my mind. It just – our taste changed. And it goes back to, like, world wars, where after the war – during the war, people moved to the big cities. After the war, people moved out of the big cities. And when you move out of the big cities, you need those Best Buys and you need those um, Outback Steakhouse and you need those kind of generic places to go to. Everything can't be mom and pop. But our, our, our taste in the merge, we like driving. We got out of the city. And you can even see it with like sports complexes. Like the best one that I could tell you is that at one point in time, the Washington Redskins had RFK, which was right in the heart of Washington, D.C. And they get it. You know, they, they're like, okay, it only fits like 58,000 people. So let's build something that has 90,000. Where can we put it? Well, we can't put it in the city. Let's go put it in the suburbs. So it's 45 minutes outside of Washington, D.C. It stinks. It's, it should be called the Maryland Redskins. It shouldn't even be called Redskins. It's a politically incorrect name, right? So then, in all their wisdom, they're like, let's move back to the city. Um, the Redskins haven't done that yet because they're still reaping the benefits of FedEx Field. But they will at some point. Same thing with the Washington Capitals. They were in the middle of nowhere, in the middle of Maryland, and they moved to downtown Washington. As more young people moved to downtown Washington, they wanted young people to come because young people will buy beer. How much is that beer? $12? <laughs> I'll take half of one. That line never goes over well, uh, but it's out there. So let's talk a little strategy. Um, I'm not a big fan of LinkedIn. It's just, to me, it feels like, I don't know, it just Facebook feels like, hey, look at my great life. LinkedIn feels like kind of like, hey, I actually go to work. It, it doesn't do much for me, but in hindsight, if I can go back to my younger 25-year-old self and I'd say, hey, younger 25 self, pay attention, start networking more. So, you know, I auditioned for a national television show and I bombed. I did a national radio show and I, I could pull that off easily. You know what I should have done? I should have tried to audition for a second national television show and a third national television show. I just didn't know enough people. So the guy who was putting together my sizzle reel couldn't get enough sizzle out of me to interest uh, the big boys. I had meetings. I was told, maybe if you yelled more. I'm like, I'm not going to yell at people just to get a rating. So they wanted me to go in people's houses and say, look at your $400 shoes. What are you yelling at my $400 shoes? They wanted me to be Gordon Ramsay of financial advice. I'm like, no. 
I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, more. Find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter, Rob Black Show, YouTube, Rob Black Show. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.